the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we've got a lot of uh, ground to cover. New guest, new guest on the program. I was asking my friend Gregory Wrightstone, the executive director of the uh, CO2 Coalition, uh, I wanted some in- I wanted some insight into a recent a scientific paper on net zero uh, and the net zero effort, which is an effort by... Um, uh, by uh, proponents of of green energy and green transfer of money to them. Uh, they wanted to promote net zero, which means you have to be carbon neutral and this whole net zero thing. And there's an, a, a new paper from uh, MIT professor, Princeton professor, uh, and Gregory Wrightstone saying, yeah, the science behind it's um, sloppy. It's uh, not real. And so I want to get someone on. And he's got a new uh, research uh, researcher, scientist over at the CO2 Coalition. So we'll talk with him uh, in just a few moments. And then I've got an update on Carol Markowitz. She can't be with us today. Her book is launching tomorrow, and she'll be joining us soon. She's got a new book, and uh, she's out. It's it's uh, fantastic. If you don't remember, she hasn't been on the show a lot recently. She used to be on quite a bit. Her book is called Stolen Youth. Stolen Youth, How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation. And she's great. So we're going to talk with her. I, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you an update on her book. I got some inside scoop on it. I'll give that to you as an update a little bit later on in the program. And um, we will also then uh, talk with her, I think, later this week. But her book is coming out. You know, a secret about authors, when you finally get to the launch week, it's total chaos. And, and so you'll have, say to your friends, and I, I consider Carol something of a friend over the years, you'll say, oh, I'll, I'll get on your show. And then you get all of a sudden you got a PR person who's booking 57 uh, things and you're just running here and there. So we'll get her. We'll just have to figure out when we get her. So, um, all right. Now, um, let me see. Um, Here's today's what you need to know. It's a great weekend, by the way. Great weekend. I plan to cover it. Maybe I'll cover it at the end of the show today. I spent the weekend in Boise, Idaho. Actually, I flew out on Friday, spent Friday in the state capitol. Uh, on Saturday, I had some meetings during the day. And then in the evening, I was uh, the speaker at one of the largest Lincoln Days celebrations in Idaho. I think there's one up uh, north in Idaho that's a little bigger in terms of one crowd. This was about 425 people. It was really great. It was really fun. Uh, Tammy Nichols, the state senator out there who was an old friend of ours, uh, the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, was my host. It was fantastic. So and it was snowing one of the days. It was pretty cold, uh, but it was a great visit. So I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but here we opened the week off, and I noticed in the Epic Times – Epic Times, our friend, uh, Joseph Lord, who's been a guest on this program, he's a reporter, he wrote just about 10 days ago, I didn't see this story, it slipped by, but it's ongoing, it's an ongoing story. There is a Chicago father named Terry Newsom. Terry Newsom um, was raised Democrat. I don't know if he's political now, I, maybe he is, but he travels for work and he went into his school district uh, and he said, 
This is about two years ago, a year and a half ago. He said to his school district, I went into meetings and said he didn't want in the children's library the sexually explicit books and pornographic content. Okay. So he did that. Flash forward all these, I don't know, 15 months, 16 months. He goes to travel in December and he discovers that even though he traveled frequently and regularly for his job and he used TSA and, and, and went through TSA all the time and all that. Now he was on, uh, he was not able to go through TSA regular, regularly. And he found that he was on a special list. He quad S is a designation that gets on your ticket. And it's a, it's an acronym that stands for secondary security screening selection. And so it means you get a lot more scrutiny and you're taken out of line and you're taken somewhere else for screening and it goes through everything you've got. Okay. Now I don't know anybody who lived through nine 11 that doesn't want more security when getting on a plane. Right. I, I don't know anyone that says no security. There were times Back in the day before 9-11, where you could go out to the to the uh, gate, you didn't go through security the same way. They had people watching you a little bit, but there was a lot more freedom, right? A lot of freedom. And that's all changed. And I don't think I, I don't think most people don't um object. I don't think people object generally. I mean, some are purists, but they object to who runs it. And now they object to what's the status? Who who's controlling it? So this guy, Terry Newsom, is now on the watch list after having spent years not on the watch list. What did he do? Was it his complaints to the school board? Was it his conservative positions now? He tra- he was traveling, actually, to Turning Point USA. And here's the kicker. He was in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. He wasn't in the Capitol. He wasn't arrested. Nobody has alleged in a court of law that he did anything wrong. And I don't think he did. I mean, I've seen a description and talked to a, a Joseph uh, Lord who talked to him. I don't think there's anything. He did anything. But but here's the thing. He's now on a watch list. And when Joseph and the story is getting some more legs, when Joseph Lord, the reporter for the Epic Times, asked the FBI why this happened, they said, well, we can't solely we can't solely open an investigation or put somebody on a watch list based on any one based on their constitutionally protected actions. Solely. See that? solely they get to be the judge of what's the totality of the circumstances and later in the same statement to joseph lord they said we have to have some way to target people who have committed or intend to commit violations of the law so now they're mind readers now all of this would be probably feel different to us if we had a strong sense that we can trust the honesty and the integrity and the forthrightness of the people in charge. And the problem is we can't trust their honesty or integrity, frankly. But even if we did that, we can't trust their forthrightness because half the time they're ignorant of who's in charge. Half the time they don't know who's making the decisions and why they're being made. The TSA uh, screening, the four, the quad, uh, uh, let me get the phrase right, the four S's, I think quad S. The quad S designation, we don't even know who does that. Who who is the one who's you talk about? We don't know the algorithms for Twitter until uh, until Elon Musk bought it and is figuring it out. We don't know the secret sauce for who picks the quad S and who judges who's going to be on the quad S and who's going to be the people that are, are targeted. We don't even know that. We don't know how you get in that position. Now, again, it's always the dog that didn't bark in my mind at this point. Because Terry Newsom from Chicago, he at least figured it out. 
And he's going to address it now. He's asking for answers. He's asking to be told what this is about. He's asking to wants to know. And, and they, we'll, we'll see. They, say they denied his FOIA request, but he's going to get relief to find out why. I guarantee it, mostly because he's getting a lot of attention now. But what about the rest of us? What about the rest of the regular people? And I, I make this contrast all the time. In Idaho, I gave this big talk, and I said this. If you look at the January 6th defendants, if you look at the ones that are still in jail, that haven't gone to trial, that have been particularly suffering, one common denominator between them all is that they're generally working Americans. They're Americans that don't have the time freedom or the money freedom to do something different with what's happened. Do you understand what I mean? If somebody's got a lot of wealth, they have time freedom. They can buy time freedom and they have wealth freedom. They can actually go get a lawyer immediately and they can. And so often, not always, but often you get better treatment. And in the case of the January 6th defendants, it's almost exclusive. I think there's there's a lot of veterans in there, but then they're working guys. They're not they're not veterans. They're, they're veterans. Some of them have some pensions, but they're, they're working people. And frankly, if you're wealthy, you're not stuck in the D.C. gulag. That's the facts. And if you're uh, Terry Newsom, you've got the wherewithal. He's a professional. He's got experience in TSA. He figured out what was going on. Normal people, regular Americans, we the people, won't even know how or why we're targeted. And it's proven. It's not speculative. It's proven that the FBI is going through Twitter and deciding who you can trust and who you can't and telling Twitter to silence them. If they're willing to go to Twitter and say, please silence these Twitter operators, don't you think they're willing to send it over to the TSA or whoever maintains the TSA quad S list, the 4S list, to put you on the watch list? Isn't that almost guaranteed? It has to be. And so it's not only the weaponization of the Department of Justice that is so terrifying right now. It's the regular use of government against we the people. It's the methodical use of government against we the people. So that you don't even know when you're being targeted. You won't even know. I mean, it feels... It's, you know, when you're young, uh, younger than I am now, you worry about your credit rating, right? You worry about it. You're taking your first mortgage or buy your first car and you want to make your payments on time because you don't want somebody to flag that and have your system when you go to buy. Actually, it's a better one. Let me do it again. When you're young, when you're real young, you buy a car. And if you get a loan, you want to make sure you make your payments because people are saying, don't hurt your credit rating. Because five years later, when you want to buy a house, they're going to look at your credit rating. It's kind of follow you. But are we living in a world now? That sounds a little bit like the the Chinese communist regime, where what's following you is your dangan. That's the word in China. The dangan in China is a is a special file uh, 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 that was that is created when you're born in China. Uh, in the late in the late 1990s, uh, Phyllis Schlafly wrote a a column about this, and she had a picture uh, of the dangan storage in China. It was a it was a um, a multiple football field warehouse with file after file of dangan. They call it now. I'm sure it's electronic. You can call it social credit score, but mostly it's a file that follows you. Are we going to be followed by a file that is directed by people 
who don't won't tell us the, the, the reasons, won't tell us the rationale, won't tell us who's in charge, and that will be the ones deciding the intent, reading minds. It's a wild thing for the FBI to admit that they're they don't solely open investigations solely on the grounds of constitutional uh, actions solely means they do. They just got to come up with something else. And then that they're going to find out who committed acts of violence or intends to same, same thing. So this is, this is what targets Terry Newsom. And does attending January 6th put you in there? Does it, what does it attend attending a, uh, a pro-life event put you in there? Does does being at a uh, a pro Second Amendment rally put you in a special slot? That's what it feels like more and more. That's what it feels like more and more. All right, I'll put that story up on uh, social media and uh, and we will get some, get an update. I'm going to try to get Jeffrey Lord, uh, not Jeffrey Lord, Joseph. I do that. Jeffrey Lord is a great commentator and a journalist himself, but Joseph Lord is the reporter, young guy uh, for the um, uh, Epic Times. And uh, I'll get him on the show and talk about this uh, this piece. He's um, he's very good, very good guy, very good writer. And uh, I will be interested to hear what kind of responses he got because he's still going after uh, more. He wants more responses from the FBI uh, and um, and others about how they got to this point. And he's got the right instincts on asking um, who's doing this, right? Who's doing this? That's the question. Just explain to us who's doing it. That's a big part of what's happening that makes us worried. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, Last week, I said to my friend Gregory Wrightstone, I said, Gregory... I saw a piece that the uh, that was uh, posted. I think it was sent to me. Um, I guess I, I don't know who forwarded it to me. And I said, I want to talk to you about the CO2 coalition, CO2coalition.org, and this uh, piece that they posted. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, you need to talk to uh, one of our researchers who really knows this stuff well, uh, Vijay uh, Jaraji. Vijay, I guess it, Vijay, is it uh, Vijay Raj or Jaraji? This is Americans uh, uh, messing up uh, uh, other people's uh, names, uh, who is a uh, has a master's degree in environmental science and is a researcher. Uh, you've seen his name. He's a, it contributes a uh, uh, all over the place and particularly uh, has been uh, with the Cornwall Alliance there as a research associate. So uh, welcome, sir. How are you? Uh, good morning, Ed. Uh, it's great to be on your show. Uh, well, yes, you you are almost right in, in pronouncing <laughs> my name. That's not an issue. Yeah. Yeah. T- tell me, tell me the exact right pronunciation. Come on now. It's Vijay Jairaj. VJJ Raj. Okay. VJJ Raj. All right. Good. VJJ Raj. I'll get it right the 50th time, but well, that means I'll have to have you back on as a guest. All right. So, uh, that's, that's part of this. Um, the, um, First of all, let me make sure to say again, uh, CO2coalition.org, CO2coalition.org. Uh, you can find out a ton of research that's there. There was this, um, the net zero uh, argument um, that is uh, floated all the time. And this is what I noticed was there's a paper that the CO2 coalition uh, helped produce uh, about challenging net zero. First of all, uh, and using science. Um, tell us about what net zero means for the average listener. They hear net zero, net zero through the lens of CNN or even Fox news. But what is net zero? The argument, what's the sort of, um, positioning behind it that you're taking on with science here? 
Yeah, I think uh, by net zero, they mean to strike a balance between the amount of green greenhouse gas that's produced, the amounts and the amount that's removed from the atmosphere. So what they're talking about is uh, not only reducing the greenhouse gases, but also uh, having some of some form of carbon sequestration and carbon capture mechanisms. Uh, so all of which are detrimental to uh, ec- the economy and the development as we know it. Right. So remember, remember when I, like I, either Bono or maybe it was Paul McCartney or somebody like that. I think it was Paul McCartney. Uh, uh, oh no, it's Al Gore. Al Gore. Sorry, I shouldn't have done rock and roll stars. Al Gore showed up at, in Davos. And when people said he's on his private jet, he's worth a couple hundred million dollars now. He said, I bought carbon offsets. So that's one of the ways people say, well, I'm going to be net zero. I'm going to be neutral on my costs by paying somebody else basically for, and this is the idea of a market for uh, this, this carbon stuff, right? I mean, is that, am I now giving a popular example of Al Gore trying to be net zero by using his wealth to buy his way to net zero, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Al Gore uh, is, is just continuing to do what he has been doing ever since his first documentary, the inconvenient uh, fact, the movie that he brought about in 2007 so uh, he has been uh, gaining uh, and uh, making a lot of money from this climate movement uh, by uh, investing and starting up renewable tech. So uh, it's not surprising that him and others, many more, uh, including the current climate czar, uh, John Kerry as well, uh, they all claim to offset this carbon. But uh, the big bigger question to ask is like, uh, how how much more carbon is being released <laughs> naturally across the globe and how much more carbon is being absorbed all across the globe because co2 is the plant food and so uh the concept of net zero itself is not scientific uh like scientists currently try to make sense of it just because they can carry on with this climate propaganda but it's it's not really a scientific concept uh, we're talking with uh, the, uh, a researcher, uh, VJ J. Raj, who's over at the CO2 Coalition. CO2Coalition.org is the website. We mentioned uh, uh, Gregory Wrightstone, uh, or we were talking about Al Gore, and uh, um, and uh, he, his uh, his uh, book is called Inconvenient Facts uh, about uh, contrary to uh, inco- in, uh, inconvenient truth, uh, the Al Gore movement. But another way to say this, just and I want to get back to this paper because it, it's important to put some uh, meat on the bones of arguments as people are listening. But um, the uh, one of the things of these carbon uh, trading systems is there are people that want to make money off of it. And, and you know, it's, I'm reminded of the Eric Hoffer, the famous American uh, philosopher who said uh, uh, every great cause begins as a movement, becomes a business and eventually degenerates into a racket. And and if you look closely at the, the idea of uh, sort of uh, trading on carbon credits or net zero, you realize there's a lot of people salivating at the action, the money, because they're making they're making money on on all kinds of uh, of the edges of this, as well as you point out in driving the markets. But so let me let me pause, though, and go back to this um, uh, uh, paper that was released. Um, there are three authors. I want to highlight them, make sure to say, because people take a lot of time to write uh, papers. Uh, Dr. William Happ. Uh, professor of Physics at Princeton University, Dr. Richard Lindzen, who's a professor uh, of atmospheric science at uh, MIT, and Gregory Wrightstone. And the, P, the, bo- the, the, S, the uh, paper that was released uh, released about a week or two ago uh, is um, 
I don't know, uh, 46 pages. And it's basically talks about how the science does not support this net zero that in fact, it's not even, they try to get past that. They almost argue past the sale. They say, well, this would be better. And so we should do this. Well, if you look at the science, it wouldn't even be better. So um, uh, Vijay, walk us through the sort of central uh, thesis of this paper or how it, how, um, why it's it, it, it net zero doesn't work. Well, uh, the net, the justification for implementing a net zero concept in itself is based on, uh, fallacious arguments and science. For example, uh, they say that the extreme weather events are more severe and frequent, uh, but uh, that has not been the case. Uh, even as per IPCC's report, the current warming did not uh, does not correlate significantly with an increase in extreme weather events across the globe. And besides, we have computer models uh, which scientists are using across the globe to forecast what lies ahead in the future. And these are the models that are used by the UN uh, to give us reports that act as the Bible for policymaking. So in other words, uh, everything to do with net zero and all the common reduction policies uh, can be traced back to these computer models. Unfortunately, more than 90% of these models do not accurately forecast future temperatures. We know this by observing the actual change in in climate during the past two decades and how these models have not fared well. So to be specific to anyone who wants to look it up, uh, these are called the CMIP5 and CMIP6 or computer climate models. It's a collection of hundreds of models from across the globe from the so-called uh, experts in climate change. So the other other thing is that um, the climate, the current climate argument is based on consensus, whereas traditionally for uh, for uh, many many centuries, science was not based on consensus. Science was based on the scientific methodology, uh, and even exact, particularly in the recent uh, couple of centuries, it's purely based on scientific methodology where uh, there's a theory, you put it to test uh, in a lab. Uh, or you have evidence from data, and then you test the theory, and then you come to a conclusion. Whereas uh, that's not the case now. They they just say the science is settled, and they are just moving on. And they say because many of us agree, so so we can do that. But that's that's not how science works. So based on these uh, pure scientific uh, reasoning, uh, the authors argue and show us that why embracing a net zero or the cost of energy poverty and energy insecurity is not the wise way moving forward. And let's not forget the whole vast majority of our globe who are not still developed. They're all in the developing phase. The need for fossil fuel there is even more. So, so yeah, no, not only emission reduction in energy, they're also uh, targeting our agricultural systems, which are uh, just at the point of, uh, you know, uh, attaining one of the best states it has ever been like producing unprecedented food crop growth in the in the world and so yeah this is a gist of the argument in the paper uh we're talking again with uh vijay jayraj who's a research associate over at the co2 coalition uh co2coalition.org we've had uh gregory wrightstone the executive director over there on uh we're referring to uh, a paper that has uh been published uh by the CO2 coalition and others uh, and authors, MIT, Princeton uh, professors saying, Hey, wait a look at the science behind this. Um, 
VJ, you mentioned at the very end what is in some ways more important to me. I don't, I'm not a scientist. So when I go to do science, I try to find people that I can trust. And one of the dangers is it, it looks like you can't trust uh, a, a lot of people. And, and in this current environment that, you know, people say one thing and something else is true and all. Um, and it feels like, as you just pointed to at the end, and I know that you're a researcher and a, a scientist, environmental scientist, but it feels like it's a political end. You want the political end, redistribution of of wealth, uh, a change in uh, power dynamics, and therefore you justify the, quote, science. And if you're a scientist, you sit down and look at this, one of these MIT professors, and you say, these people aren't being serious. They're they're just basically are they're they're coming up with a, a straw scientist to put in the chair and they say, see, the science says so. Now move on to the solutions. And the solutions are these dramatic political ones. I know that's a little simplistic, but again, as a scientist, do you feel that? Uh yeah. So the way I see it is that I I you know I cannot assume or guarantee that uh the reason why they are doing these policies is to bring us under uh, more government control. Right. Uh, that is an argument I cannot make, but I can, I can, I can positively say that uh, the policies that are that they are implementing in the name of net zero and climate change um, eventually will lead it will lead to uh, more control. So uh, it's not a question of uh, whether they are doing it with a purpose in mind, but rather I would say uh, the solutions that are being proposed right now uh, by the UN and and all those uh, who align with the climate alarmist movement uh, certainly does uh, put us into more control, uh, uh, more, uh, you know, in, in a state where there is a lack of uh, freedom uh, to do business, freedom to uh, have a livelihood in, in if you are from the developing part of the world. So yeah, uh, it is more I would see this as a consequence. Uh, the consequence of net zero and the climate movement will be more control. Uh, one more question, just to, uh, to humor me. Um, again, we're talking with Vijay uh, Jayraj, uh, associate at, uh, researcher at um, the uh, CO2 coalition. Um, if you got rid of a bunch of the people, let's say you got rid of a, a, a 30% of the people of the world, would that, I know, I know you're a scientist, so you're not going to like how glibly I'm asking, but if you got rid of a third of the world's population, would that affect the uh, CO2 dramatically? Uh, no, it won't. Uh, even today, the Western world, Europe and US, uh, they are reducing their emissions. Uh -huh. but China and India are increasing their emissions. So China and India alone uh, make up like 3 billion and the global population is 7 billion. And China consumes more than 50% of all coal that's consumed in the world. And India is, is uh, right behind China and increasing its coal consumption and, of course, oil and gas consumption as well. So that's just 3 billion people. Uh, if they continue to use coal and fossil fuels, uh, the lack of emissions from using fossil fuels uh, from, a, you know, a small section of European countries and North America uh, will not make any difference. It's fascinating, and I'm glad you're uh, um, uh, doing this, uh, VJ. I, th I feel like the, as people have um, have 
begun to question the science. Maybe this is what the pandemic did. There's an, uh, op- an openness to saying, tell me what that means instead of saying, oh, because you've heard it for five or 10 years and you've heard it from Al Gore, uh, doesn't mean that net zero, for example, is backed up by science. That's the, the thrust of this, uh, almost 50 page paper, uh, by, uh, two uh, scientists from uh, Princeton and MIT, as well as, uh, Gregory Wrightstone, our friend who is at the uh, CO2 coalition. CO2coalition.org is the website. Uh, VJ Jayraj, thank you for, uh, the time and we'll have you back on again. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right. We'll take a break, everybody, and come right back. And I will put up on uh, social media and on uh, the website all these uh, links to uh, what we've been talking about. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let me do a little preview of a preview or a preview of a book review. Uh, because I'm such a big fan of, uh, of the authors. I have had the, uh, the authors of an upcoming book. The book is out, uh, this week and, uh, Bethany Mandel, as well as Carol Markowitz. Now, Carol Markowitz has been on the show a number of times. These two are really impressive, uh, women, uh, impressive leaders. And the book is called Stolen Youth. How radicals are erasing. Uh, let me get it right. Sorry. I wrote it down in my own notes. Oh, there it is. How radicals are erasing innocence and indoctrinating a generation. Um, yeah, it's out this week and it's fantastic. Now I've only read parts of it, but the reason I want to preview it is because it's out this week and I want you to help make it a success, particularly. And here's why Carol, uh, who is really cool. Carol Markowitz. She's really been, she's really a, a very impressive writer, quality writing, but also her viewpoint. Um, she's had this, uh, back and forth between New York and Florida where she now lives and she's got children. She writes about that, uh, uh, eloquently and she's written about COVID a lot and the pandemic and the abuse of our kids, but she's just great. And her voice has gotten bigger and bigger. And this one is important for us to uh, launch. Uh, Bethany Mandel too, herself is an accomplished uh, uh, author and a writer and a leader. And she's been, um, she's been somebody who's uh, also, I'm trying to think of where her voice first started being raised in terms of the attention on her um, because she's also, she's been, she writes, um, a, a, a series of children's books. I'm trying to, Oh, heroes of Liberty is what it's called. Um, and she has written, um, for Fox news. Um, and you see her around. She's written on actually, oh, I got my list now. She's written all actually she's, she's written actually for the New York times, New York post, Washington post, Washington examiner newsweek. She's a professional writer. I mean, has written a lot and, um, she's very impressive, but six kids and, uh, and Carol, uh, has three children and, uh, she writes over, especially at uh, New York post. Anyway, this book is important and it's important for me to get out early and help, uh, get the word out stolen youth how radicals are erasing innocence and indoctrinating a generation now it would be important just on the topic on as carol writes the left uh, carol and bethany write the left is waging an all-out battle on the american family particularly the youngest members and they go on in this book and we're going to talk about this book i'm going to get carol or bethany onto the program to talk about it but what i want to highlight now is the fact that they 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 wrote about it in the New York Post a column they wrote um about the fact that when they went to publish this book they had interest even from conservative publishers but they got one of them got nervous because they didn't want so much so much antagonism so much fighting spirit etc cetera, etc cetera. they went over to daily wire books 
and Daily Wire Books is publishing it. Now, my point in giving you this sort of mini plug just for the idea of, of Carol and Bethany getting more attention and their voices raised is in part to encourage people to uh, support these uh, newer publishing houses. And I, you know, I'm a big fan of a lot of the, the, the guys and gals that are publishing books now. You know, I talk a lot about Al Regnery over at Republic and, uh, uh, Anthony Zaccardi at Post Hill and Bombardier and, uh, Tony Lyon, Skyhorse. I could go on and on. Tom Spence of Regnery is an old, old friend. I respect his judgment. So that, that Vadi Balcom book, the, it's so good, but. The, the conservative, even in the conservatives, they have to answer to their boards. Sometimes they have to answer to their uh, editorial direction. They have to sometimes uh, be encouraged. And the way to encourage them is for people to see more and more books being sold by people like us who will believe in the books and will go out and buy them. So my first thing is check this book out this week as it's coming out. I'm sure the New York Times won't put it on their bestseller list because they won't want to reward it. But other um, uh, bestselling lists that are more have more integrity and are more uh, driven by sales straight up. New York Times is driven by sales plus the New York Times preference. You know, the they call it a special sauce, but it's really just whether they liked you or not. And uh, they'll sometimes put liberal books up there. The book I wrote with Phyllis Schlafly made the New York Times bestseller list, uh, probably because of Phyllis, probably because she died a, a day before the book launched, you know, it was published. But still, we made it one week and then they dropped us off. But they block all the all sorts of good people. They get blocked from their, uh, um, you know, that that don't um, that don't get through. And I bet you Carol Markowitz and uh, Bethany Mandela, probably not the New York Times, but others will. Others will that just count books. And more importantly, the word of mouth. Get people talking. Stolen youth, how radicals are erasing innocence and indoctrinating a generation. Again, it's a twofer. If you get this book, I promise you'll like it. It's about how the, the left is targeting young people and how we have to stand up and fight back. I guarantee you'll like it. How radicals are erasing innocence and indoctrinating a, indoctrin, indoctrinating a generation. That's the subtitle. I promise you will like it. But also, you'll be striking a uh, blow for freedom of the press and freedom of publishing and the opportunities because Daily Wire took this book up. And as I think Carol said and Bethany said in their column in the New York Post, they want to make a profit. They're not doing it for fun. They want to make a profit. They see a good book. They want to make a profit. They want, we want them to know that you take a, take a uh, book like this. There'll be, there'll be people that want to get it on Kindle. It's only $9.99 on Kindle. Hardback is just over $26, I think $25 or $6. I like hardback books myself, but still, you can do what you want. Stolen Youth, Carol Markowitz, Bethany Mandel, check it out. Again, Daily Wire Books. Thank you to Daily Wire Books for being out there and helping publish uh, books like this. It's very important, much more important than people realize. Uh, so it's very cool that it's going on. All right, we will uh, take a break, and uh, we'll come back and uh, wrap things up. But uh, check out this book. Said Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Again, up over on uh, my social media and our website, philosophy.com. I will post links to the book where you can get it and get it everywhere you buy books. Uh, and also you do, I'll make sure to put up on social media the article from the New York Post uh, that um, – Bethany and Carol wrote about their experience uh, trying to get the book published. So we'll do all that. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, from the Phyllis Schlafly Center Studios, Ed Martin. While predicting an imminent worldwide recession, global business elites convened at the Alps Ski Resort of Davos, Switzerland, as they do every year, in seeking to expand their policies and for their own benefit. But this time, even liberals were observing how fringe the annual summit has become, and many politicians stayed away. 
Donald Trump has been the leader in criticizing these globalists and his footsteps in the upcoming presidential election loom large there and at the White House. President Biden is strikingly absent from Davos, and he didn't even send his VP or cabinet officials to the World Economic Forum gathering in January, supposedly to discuss cooperation in a fragmented world. Perhaps the powers that be, including the global elite, have already decided to toss Biden overboard by finding classified documents in his home and office and using the same prosecutorial modus operandi that's been inflicted on Donald Trump. By fanning the flames of this scandal, Democrats could nominate a fresh new candidate, such as the carefully nurtured Pete Buttigieg, who was touted as an emerging leader on the WEF website. This year, atop the Davos agenda are the nutty ideas for the world to eat insects instead of meat and attain happiness by owning nothing. The common view of those gathering in Davos is that reducing the people on Earth would be beneficial in reducing energy use but that would also reduce overall prosperity. Certainly, the wealthy elites who gather in Davos have every right to hypocritically fly their private jets around and preach about climate catastrophe as much as they want. As of now, the Davos elites have done nothing to inspire the world to embrace eating bugs and curbing population growth. However, a lack of magnetic leadership does not leave globalists powerless. It only forces them to turn to regulation and legislation where their inspiration has failed. Watch out for the cold hands of globalism as they try to strangle our liberties. We the people must have a greater voice than the World Economic Forum. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. In 2016, the conservative movement lost one of our strongest leaders, but Mrs. Schlafly's work and her voice continue through this radio program, our work in Washington, and the influence you have in your own community. Be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. We encourage you to bookmark phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, I just need to give you an update on my trip to Boise, Idaho. So I went out to Boise, Idaho, outside, outside Canyon County had their big Lincoln days. It's a county right next to Boise. It's not, Boise's not in Canyon County. And it was awesome. It was a snowy night, Saturday night. It was um, out at a big, um, it was like a, a horse barn, massive space, 425 people, um, gun raffle, uh, multiple gun raffle, actually pies, dessert pies, phenomenal and just great people. I tell you, and a great chairman, Chairman Moon, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of uh, Idaho. She's new. She's tough and she's honest and she's great. And my friend, Senator, uh, state senator, uh, Tammy Nichols, who we've talked about a number of times, she hosted me and she's great too. So I got into town on Friday. I went out there to the Capitol for a few hours. Then I went uh, on Saturday. Um, I had a couple of different meetings. Uh, and then um, had this big event, and it was phenomenal. Uh, Raul Labrador, the Attorney General of Idaho, a very accomplished lawyer who was in Congress and was a founder of the Freedom Caucus, he was there. He's very impressive. He's a coming man. My prediction is under President Trump, in President Trump's second term, uh, Raul Labrador is the Attorney General because he's got the confidence of the Congress. He's a very likable guy, and he's really a conservative. 
Um, so we'll see if that, I, I thought, but I think it was great to see him. I've never met him, uh, beyond maybe being in a room with him, hearing him speak. So I had a chance to visit with him and his wife, uh, who was really impressive. So, but it was a great event. And here's the thing out in America, not in the swamp, not on the radio and TV shows, normal Americans, they are not distracted by the fake news. They are not fooled by the swamp. They know what they want, and they're demanding it from their elected officials. They want accountability. They want the Constitution. There was a lot of talk. I talked a bit about it myself in my talk on the pro-life successes. They want to protect families and children. And frankly, the number one thing they want to do is they don't want to sit around and be victims. Alex Stein, the really funny comedian who has a a show on Blaze TV, came in also. He was a speaker. So I spoke first, talked a lot about uh, the issues, and then Alex was did sort of his routine. But his routine is directionally uh, conservative and God-loving and American. And then it's just funny. He's, he's wild. He's crazy. He's really great. But here's the thing. One of the things he said was, which is so important, is he said everybody's got something they can say they're a victim of. Sexism, largism, shortism, <laughs> racism, whatever. And he said, the problem right now is everybody thinks, the culture thinks that if they can get the ranking of the victims and, 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 and they can reset the country as to victimness, it's going to be great. He said, that's not how it's solved. In fact, it's the opposite. You figure out what's your problems and you get over them. And you don't wait for government to do it or somebody else to do it. Anyway, he was inspiring. He's really great. Check him out on Blaze TV. Blaze TV, Alex Stein, really funny, really funny and wonderful guy. You know, you see these comedians are always so big. They're big, they're big, uh, um, large characters. They have a lot of energy and all. And, uh, but you get, if you're sitting in a car with a guy driving in the snow, which is what happened after the event, he and I, you just get a sense of people. And you get to talk about your families and all. And he's a very cool dude. Very good dude. So anyway, thank you for hosting me, uh, Tammy Nichols and Idaho. I hope to be back there very soon. All right. Thank you, always, as always, to Noah Dingley, our great host, uh, host, our greatest producer, and Ryan Hype, associate producer. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.